Hello, my name is Barbara Avila, and this is my Synergy Autism podcast, where I bring people together to share and communicate regarding autism. You can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud, where we have other podcasts that we know you'll Welcome to another episode of Behavior Babble. I am Pam Smith. And and I'm I'm Barbara Avila. (laughs) I was going to say, I'm here with Barbara Avila, but there she goes. She introduced Today, we're going to be reviewing and talking about the wonderful book, The Autistic Brain, Thinking Across the Spectrum, by Temple Grandin and Richard Panic. Panic, we think? P-A-N-E-K. Mm-hmm. Panique? Something like that. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, it is from 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to say, I hadn't read it before. I have plenty of clients that had read it before, but I was really... Um, Generally speaking, I'm going to say my overall impression was really thought it was very accessible, but also full of a lot of content and really useful content when it comes to understanding if you have a person with autism in your life or you are a person with autism, understanding some of the um, general themes a person with autism's brain might be like and um, definitely a lot of, um, as one could expect from a scientist, um, definitely a lot of references and Mm -hmm. Um, thoroughly thought through kinds of um, elements, which I think was was really great. I thought it was really organized well. I really liked how the first whole half of the book is on kind of what we know about the autistic brain now and just going into such detail, like you're saying, because she admits in the book that how detail-oriented she is and that's how she processes and how visual she is, etc. So you get this nice contrast of her personal experiences but then also how much research she's done into the differences so anyway but the first half is all um very science-based so I was kind of wondering when I was reading the first half like who is this for exactly so I wanted to ask you what you thought like because when I was getting into that it gets pretty deep into MRI you know the Mm -hmm. imaging and all the different um assessments and evaluations and things like that that are out there and Mm -hmm. numbers and about the diagnostic criteria and all of that so it goes pretty deep where I kind of thought I don't know how many people are going to want this information if they're looking for just do I relate to this Mm -hmm. but if somebody's looking for the history and the you know that detail but then I got to the second half and went oh my gosh okay so this is that was all about uh, rethinking the autistic brain and kind of more about her own experiences in the in the field um, of autism, but then also in her field of cattle industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just I found the second half just completely fascinating and just loved it. Yeah, agreed that the first half is very science heavy. And back to your question of who is it for? Yeah, I think it. What what I appreciated in the weeds of MRI conversations and things like that, where the little nuggets, um, like, for for example, um, reduced activation for faces, right? So she Mm -hmm. had reduced activation um, when faces came up and people with autism in general. Well, if I have a family who are trying to understand why my their kid can't remember anybody's name in school Mm -hmm. or a, a school team who is like, he doesn't know anyone's names. He doesn't care. Well, uh-huh. that's that's not information that his brain is processing in the same way as ours, potentially, right? Yeah. And so maybe it... I did find the little nuggets there with that one. 
Um, there was the response to eye contact, like feeling like in from a neurological perspective, the response to eye contact. So, so many IEPs are like they need to make eye contact, or ABA programs are big on making eye contact. Well, the response in the brain is a little different. Why would we force this child to do an action mm-hmm. that their brain is not making the same sense of? Right. So, right. so to a certain degree. Um, so I, that that's really like. What, I think it's really chapter one, two, and three that are really um, that science heavy, like you mm-hmm. were saying. And then when we get into four, she calls it hide and seek, but it's really about um, sensory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh gosh, the sensory and stuff. I just that was love. Awesome. Yeah. So just looking at how um, our, I love. There was a quote: "Our five senses are how each of us understands everything that isn't us." Yeah. Love that and um, that. Uh, we have to be looking at people who may be experiencing sensory from a different perspective as living in a different sensory reality. Absolutely. I love that wording too. Um, My favorite part from that section was the whole concept. She talks a lot about the acting self versus the thinking self. Yeah. um, When it comes to processing sensory information. And I just loved that image of how to really think like understand someone else's expression of what's going on as two different things and all of her examples of like Carly Fleischman Mm -hmm. um you know her experience and and it just I guess the first half for me felt like it provided some scientific backbone to some things that you and I know from years of experience. And so mm-hmm. maybe it's a way to yeah. kind of cut to the chase with someone who might be maybe a little bit harder to convince that these things are true, that they're... Oh, uh, I like that, yeah. Somebody who might need some of that science behind it when they're trying to figure out what's going on for their child or themselves. Right. Yeah. The acting self versus thinking self, I'd love to dive into that just a little bit to explain mm-hmm. what that is. Sure. So... My understanding from her description was that the acting self is um, what what other people see um, in how you're behaving outwardly. So that might be somebody who is flapping their arms or needs to pace to think or is pacing yeah. <laughs> right. um, or is jumping up and down or whatever it is or being, you know, not talking, being silent or whatever. And then versus the thinking self that's behind that that may not be able to um, act the way they're thinking. Like that they're, Absolutely. Yeah, so their, their thinking brain has so much more capacity, but they're acting... Um, their acting self. Acting self, thank you. I was going to say acting brain, but that didn't work. <laughs> their acting self is not acting uh, in connection with what they're thinking about. Well, and I think, yeah, and I don't know if I'm doing a very good job describing No, you're doing it, but, a great yeah. job, and I think it supports, you know, you and I have had various conversations about the whole concept of autism having a, a significant <sighs> motor planning element yeah. and how clear that starts to become. And again, back to yeah. this re- the, the first half being this research, you know, really understanding that the firing in the brain is, is challenging that thinking person to act in the way that maybe quote unquote everybody else is. Right. And yeah. so, and whether that's a motor, motor planning issue, a sensory issue or a combination of the two, mm-hmm. um, you know, the very famous use uh, people have seen it and we can put it in the show notes. Um, the famous video of the YouTube clip of Carly Fleischman um, 
at the coffee. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So she's thinking about a lot of different things, and that's become clear because she's um, written books and been able to um, use a communication device to have really beautiful conversations with people. Well, she has a talk show. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which maybe we should have a link to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I think is great, but clearly then her body, I mean, there's a, there's a clip. I, there was the, um, event that night of too many stars, um, the autism, uh, fundraiser that happens in New York city. And, um, Stephen Colbert was going to be introduced by Carly Fleischman, but as a part of that introduction, someone blasted confetti and her OCD and sensory needs got overwhelmed and she was completely incapacitated and unable to do the interview because she was picking up all the confetti. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so Stephen goes, oh, we're really sorry. We're going to cut to a break. It turns out that we made a bad decision for a person who has OCD to have confetti. So that's yeah. a bad combo because she was not able to switch gears. Right. Even though she's got this, she had this whole plan yeah. and motivation to be a part of that process. Absolutely. But this her other, acting self, her acting self overtook and her thinking yep. self couldn't override it. <sighs> Did she end up being able to? Not that I saw, but I, I will say that I didn't. Huh. I, I saw the wonderful way that everyone was sort of accepting of that was the challenge. So I didn't see her. Yeah, oh. I didn't see a res- resolution. <sighs> so the other part about, I'm going to go back to the book for a minute. The part that I liked about that sensory chapter that I thought would be really helpful for individuals and their families is that she went through... Um, Ideas and strategies per sensory system. Yes. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to. I might try and pull it up really quickly because I thought that that was that would be really helpful. So, um, each system meaning she goes through visual processing um, issues to auditory processing. Um, well, so and she defines it. She excuse me for interrupting, but I was just going to say. So she defines it as how to identify a person with visual processing problems. Yeah. This is what you, as a person who is not maybe experiencing visual yeah. processing, is going to see. You're going to see that they're flicking fingers near their eyes, that they tilt yeah. their head when reading, or they look out of the corner of their eye. And these are practical tips for people with visual processing. Yep. If you're under fluorescent lights, wear a hat. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> Sit next to a window. I love how practical she gets. I know. It's fantastic. And yeah. and I, I really like all of the ways in which she has um, solutions. Like, someone doesn't necessarily... Someone might be experiencing a difference and not necessarily have this full-blown presentation of need, right? Whereas, so she was talking about how... Um, one of her students in one of her classes who clearly was a successful college student, mm-hmm. but was just having to work a little bit harder than, and she just changed the color of the paper that the things were right. printed on. <laughs> she was like, here, take every, every color of paper, go find out which color of paper. Yeah. And that person's life was changed because yeah. of that. Or life was changed because of wearing a different shade of sunglasses. And I've just thought of various people who I know who struggled with reading or struggled with various environments and I just think oh if if we could only help you potentially find maybe there's a simple solution to some of this stuff yeah. and you don't just have to remove yourself from all situations I we just do think- that a lot in our work right we talk a lot about how things get feel really complex and then we have to go no wait a minute it's 
it may just be a really simple solution. Mm -hmm. And then those are the ones that people can follow through with that are more successful, all of that, yeah. Well, and it's true for all of us. I mean, you know, sometimes it's just as simple as, oh, I didn't have coffee this morning. That's the reason I'm feeling a little, you know, whatever. Or, or, you know, I need need a little morsel before I go to my workout. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) In order to avoid... But back to um, Temple's uh, practicality. Yeah. It's interesting because later, and now I'm jumping around a little bit, but later she talks about creativity. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because I always think about creativity as being um, artistic and, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I was thinking about it differently than how, how she described it was coming up with practical solutions that may not be the ones you originally thought. Like being willing to, she gives this example of, um, maybe she even did it in one of her classes where she asks people, what, what, what are, tell me all the things you can do with a brick. Mm-hmm. And um, so most people think, oh, well, you can build a house, you can da da da. But um, creativity is thinking about that brick into like not even its form. So crushing it up and making paint out of it, mm-hmm. um, cutting it up, and she talks about making dice out of it, like totally kind of thinking out of the box in this different way is creativity that she has that some people on the autism spectrum have that is so amazing and why she talks about why we need those kinds of brains in our world, you know, and yeah. in our communities and etc but anyway I just I so appreciate her practical tips under this in under each sensory because they aren't ones that you all are you know that everyone's going to be thinking about yeah and she's so practical so practical and yet creative like yeah that those two things are not um contrary usually yeah usually but anyway which is yeah I agree totally agree um so then the whole second half of the book is about rethinking the autistic, autistic brain. And I, the first chapter there is about looking past the labels. Mm-hmm. And I also found that really uh, dense. Yes, dense, but at the same time creative, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. she does a just no-nonsense approach to, oh my God, of course, why would we look at the label and assign interventions rather than each symptom that each person has that is so different than the other person? You know, so she goes into, even though you may have autism, one person may have visual needs where another person may have motor needs. Why would you just have one intervention across both of them, you would want to be, okay, this person has motor needs, let's focus on that. This person has visual needs, let's focus on that. I just, I love to no-nonsense approach of, like, why would we do it the other way? Right. <laughs> Where people get label, what does she say, label stuck or label locked. Label locked, yeah. Agreed, agreed. I loved that as well, and kind of the, um, I think that it is a common challenge, well, maybe not common, but is it, it is it can be a challenge for some people riding that line between do I get diagnosed do I get services mm-hmm. do I what does that look like I mean we were just talking earlier before we were recording about a few adolescents that we know who are really mm-hmm. struggling to understand their identity and are not wanting to identify as mm-hmm. people on spectrum when we parents and therapists 
quote unquote, we think it would be better if they could just accept this. Right. But, but maybe that's not the answer, but it is, you know, it's this fine line between we want to be able to provide you with supports that can help you be successful. Yeah. And at the same time, exactly what she says, don't be locked in to it looking a certain way. Yeah. Let's target the need rather than. Right. Right. The label. And I will say that, I mean, I don't know about your beginning of school experience because we haven't talked in a little while, but I've had several students where it feels like the pendulum has swung and schools in our area where they're saying, no, the student will be fine. There's no supports needed. It'll be okay. Or like they're not paying attention to the accommodations listed on an IEP and the kid is bombing out. Yeah. And you think, well, wait, we've all had a discussion about the supports that are needed in order for success and you're not providing them. Like, I think this is not not okay. Yeah. So it's a little, I'm not, I that's don't know interesting why. that you're experiencing that too, because I am too. Mm-hmm. What is, well, that's a whole nother discussion. Exactly. Like, wow. <laughs> that's interesting that you're experiencing yeah. that too. That's so frustrating, not only for the individual, but for the family who sat in that meeting. Right. Yeah. That's happened like three times this week. Well, and, perf- and, and frankly, those teachers, those teachers are back to thinking that this, like, I don't think that systemically they're getting support to be able yeah, to have time, totally agree. energy. It's because people are in such a hurry and have too much on their plates. Correct. Yeah. You're right. So these, everybody's falling through the cracks. Not everybody. Lots of people are falling through the cracks. Yeah. So back to Temple, the, yes. um, I love that she's urging us to look at symptoms rather than labels. And, um, I can't remember exactly. She talks about, uh, she has a quote that I liked, that if two people, autism or not, are really good or really bad at something, so say somebody has a really good memory for um, numbers, really good at math, and somebody else is really good at math, autism or not, let's say she goes, throw them both into a scanner and see what lights up. Yeah. So kind of that brings back the first part of the book, yeah. which was much more about how intrigued she is with the brain imaging. And, you know, we're learning so much more about the brain. And I just, you know, we should be looking at those commonalities and yes. then supporting those symptoms. Yeah. It would take a whole overhaul. but And she totally disagreed with the DSM-5 changes, yeah. too, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Well, and it is, I mean, it's interesting, her, her argument is a good one of sort of saying, like, why would you separate, why would you not separate out this population yeah. that has Asperger's, Asperger's formerly Asperger's, yeah. formerly Asperger's. I do appreciate, so it's interesting because we, um, societally, we talk about, oh, which direction should we go in education, jobs, and, you know, obviously there's all sorts of, everybody, we could talk about that, but it is a back to her practicality of, well, why wouldn't you think about, like, using someone's strengths regardless of the stuff around and remediate. I mean, she had that great example of that her first boss, she was great at whatever it was she was doing and her boss helped her smooth over. She had, she had done something rude to um, a colleague Yeah. and the boss smoothed that over rather than just throwing the baby out with the Mm bathwater and saying, because she was, um, was good at whatever the task was at the job that this boss understood like, Oh, I need to remediate this other part of who Mm -hmm. you are you're worth it to this and just think about how many job situations you know we just get so quick to turn over and to get Mm -hmm. at 
an outcome as opposed to sort of cultivating and the same thing happens with schools and the same thing happens with jobs and it's that but but I think back to, to circle back around if we could figure out a better way to grow people's strengths yeah as opposed to and and help them you know compensate or accommodate for weaknesses mm-hmm. that is a better use of everyone's time as opposed Absolutely. to the it's back to the healthcare model it's back to sorry I can swing in all Seriously. of this stuff <laughs> Yeah, it gets big fast. But um, I'll use that as a segue into another chapter that she really talks about knowing your strengths. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, uh, kind of... The different where, types of thinking. Yeah, and I guess that's the creative thinking mm-hmm. was in that chapter. But um, yep. And also, you know, um, some of the other things that we were talking about of being really de- detail-oriented, not seeing the forest for the trees... But seeing it as a strength rather than oh you don't ha- you can't see the forest for the trees, that's a negative. Right. But instead, going but wait a minute if you imagine, this is part of the creative part is like if you're super detail oriented, you're gonna kind of like jump into the details and keep going and see. She said she's constantly surprised mm-hmm. because she doesn't know where it's gonna go. How cool! Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she's gonna come up with more practical, maybe common sense. Um, solutions because she doesn't see the forest for the trees. Right. It's just interesting. I loved her um, phrase that creativity is a form of expecting surprises. Yeah. Right? I just think that's wonderful to think that, which is, again, back to the, the, she has a few examples of, like, tests that she's taken or given to other people back to the brick. There was also a what could this circle be kind of thing, and she'd made it into a Ferris wheel. And yeah. We, you know, all of a sudden, and everybody, yeah. you know, sort of has a smiley face as their kind of garden variety answer. Yeah. But it does just speak to, you know, what what do we want for our clients and family members or students, right? Do we, do we want them, do we want to, and actually, what do they want, right? What do we want? How do we want to help them be the most that they want to be? Do they want to be as a person who is creative and carving out their own way? Or do they want to be a person who learns how everybody else is doing it and Mm -hmm. tries really hard to do that? There's probably not one, one answer. And there's room in our society for both. Right. Yeah. Right. Which is a beautiful thing. Which she then gets into talking about, which again, practical solutions for education and employment. Mm -hmm. And she... Uh, I um, keep saying how much we love parts of things what she says. Yeah. But um, she has a whole section on prepare for employment where she goes through just very practical ideas of don't make excuses. So as a person with um, who may or may not have autism, this would be a really helpful section for here are her top 10 or whatever mm-hmm. things to do to be a good employee. Right. Right. I thought, yeah, again. As a person who's been gainfully employed most of her life, but yeah. also has autism and is pretty aware that she has to work at a lot of things, yeah, she is pretty, you know. And she goes into detail on each, so I do want to say that. So don't make excuses. Play well with others. Learn to try to please. Yeah. Um, manage your emotions. Mind your manners. Sell your work, not yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, use mentors. Um, that might be all of them. But then she has jobs for each type of thinker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I love that part too. You know what? I want to just sit for a second on the manage your emotions because I had never thought of the way she described behavior before. Mm. She Her recommendation was to try and support a, a person who maybe externalizes 
um, their feelings. Yeah. To not externalize through yelling and throwing yeah. and breaking and kicking and whatever to crying. Mm. And have that. They would have a release, but it would be a much more acceptable. Socially it, acceptable. Well, and it was less about socially acceptable and much more about it will get you what you want, right? Oh, you don't mm-hmm. want to have this place destroyed. You want to keep your job. Yeah. So if you could learn how to still have an outward expression of your feelings, yeah, that also helps you get this other thing you want. Right. I think what a gift if we could help. That's what so she's... So how can you put it in the context of end result that you want right. rather than... Yeah, which is back to the common sense kind of approach to managing your emotions. Right. So that's what she figured out at some point. She figured out because she it was it was back when she was on the farm, I want to say on the ranch. Something had happened and she had externalized her feelings mm-hmm. and it had made it so she couldn't do something else that she really wanted because she couldn't be trusted around the animals or something right. like that. Yep. And that it resulted in her crying and she realized, oh, I, I had this feeling. It's being resolved by crying and crying isn't getting me in trouble. Interesting. Yeah. So she was able to equate all of those. Not everybody can, but if we can help to try, kind of draw some of these plot points yeah. for people to recognize in themselves. It's so Maybe. funny how she's even looking at that as a science experiment. Right. <laughs> how I manage my emotions, this is the outcome. If I do it this way, if I do that, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, the last thing that I wanted to highlight in this, and it looks like maybe you have something else you'd like to highlight, but I just wanted to highlight that she does have a an autism quotient test that is in the back mm-hmm. if people want that. Um, where it's, uh, um, autism spectrum quotient or AQ as a measure of the extent of autistic traits in adults. And so some people may, you know, back to what I was asking in the beginning, is like, who is this for? Mm -hmm. Um, it might even be for some of our young people or young adults that we take pieces of it to um, share with them, to help them discover whether they feel like they're on spectrum or not. So really, I find it's up to them. True. That's true. That's a great point. I want to just go one chapter earlier, which is um, I really loved how she, you know, her first book was thinking, or maybe not her first book, I'm sorry, I don't know all of her books, but her her other way of thinking about thinking has been thinking in pictures, right? Mm -hmm. And just the concept that there's thinking in pictures, there's visual thinking in patterns, and then there's sort of verbal thinking or sort of more that uh, right is a verbal thinking yeah i'm forgetting what even the third one was i was so fascinated between the difference between sort of object picture thinking Uh and pattern picture thinking and the difference is sort of so she just went over some of the testing that she was actually incapable of doing because her brain just simply doesn't do it Mm -hmm. and i thought of so many of our younger kids who have these sort of presentations that feel very swiss cheese in the moment Mm -hmm. and it does make me think again and recommit to if we can help you, you know, marry what the expectations of an outcome are, let's say we need to express, we need to pass a test or, you know, get through a grade, Uh you know, a grade level or something like that. If we can figure out better ways to marry that with the way things make sense to you, I mean, what a gift again to, to helping this person be the best they can be. I don't know what the solutions are all the time in a public school setting or something like that. But even at a, in, in home to sort of say, 
I mean, I had an experience. This is a really interesting experience. I've known this kid for, um, gosh, four years. I've been working with him in a variety of capacities. He's now 13. Um, and we, after four years, we actually had the conversation. You know, when Pam is here, she's like a teacher. You have to, you know, you listen to her like a teacher. And he goes, oh, that'll help me behave. Okay, thanks. <laughs> and I was like, wow, we really made an assumption because he's yeah. been able to do it really well and we're having some adolescence kind of pushback. Sure. Yeah. And somehow that definition made it so now he can he can not adolescent pushback as much now with me. Huh. Yeah, I think that happens a lot with um, our clientele, but of course that's it probably happens with a lot of adolescents in general. Sure. Where, yeah, um, but be, we were talking about this before, of being blunt sometimes and just uh, stating maybe what is seemingly obvious to you but may not be obvious to somebody who's more detail-oriented. Right, right. Can be extremely helpful. Yeah. Detail, Brilliant. visual, whatever, yeah. Hmm. That's quite a gift. Yeah. Okay, so I think we're both voting for um, everybody read this book. Yeah, I think it really has some nice elements. It's worth it. It's a reasonably fast read. Yeah. It's quite a quite a lot of practical. She's, she's an easy read because it's nice to get to know her. It's funny, I wanted to mention, I think I mentioned this to you before. I got it on Audible also, and it isn't her voice. And I, I actually stopped listening to it and decided to read it because I just love hearing her talk mm-hmm. about her experiences and in her own voice much better. And... Um, so I encourage people also to check her out on YouTube and um, her movie. Mm-hmm. That there's a movie about her that, of course, is not played by her, but Claire Danes. But, right. Um, but well, anyways. she needed to be younger, so. Right. That's <laughs> yeah. That's there you go. <laughs> but um, anyway, she's a she's a fabulous and fa- fascinating person, and she does do talks all over. Um, when she's talking about the cattle industry, she'll come and talk also about autism. So um, highly recommend that too. Agree. Yeah. Thumbs up all the way around for this book. And I like the combination of practicality with science. I think that's a great tool. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Until next time. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Synergy Autism Podcast, where we are bringing people together to talk autism. And if you'd like more, please go to our website, at SynergyAutismCenter.com. You will find a lot of information, blog posts, courses you can take, and more. Again, SynergyAutismCenter.com. That's S-Y-N-E-R-G-Y. And thank you again for listening.